재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵 On Mondays we do food and beyond which is our chance to daydream about seasonal ingredients and what we might cook up with them in our own kitchen. We are joined by the digital editor for the Seoul Michelin Guide. Her name is Yerika Park and she knows her stuff very well. Hi Yerika. Good morning. Nice to see you. Good to see you too. Bit of a potpourri today. Yep. Right? Mhm. Um, you know, we usually we kind of dive into one ingredient or so. Um, but uh, this time we've got like a, a handful, a little sort of basket. That's right. Uh, a little basket of seasonal ingredients that are consumed right here in Korea. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So the link between these ingredients, there's no explicit link. They just happen no. to be coming into season right. right at this moment. Yeah, and I picked a well, let's talk about them. Specifically corn, mm. abalone, and toraji, bellflower roots. That's interesting, because I would have eat corn, I guess. Completely three summer. random ingredients. Well, toraji, I don't know why I think this, mm-hmm. but I somehow equate that with fall for some reason. I guess because it's like a root, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a root, but uh, they, they're in season now. But they're in season now. Yeah. In the hottest moment of summer, that's when toraji make their appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. You said corn, toraji, and... Abalone. So I... I, I'm guessing if you're coming at these, everybody knows corn. We can get to that in a moment. Yep. What would you say is the more exotic ingredient, cor- um, toraji or abalone? Well, it depends on which, w- f- from which, whose perspective you're talking right? about, right? Because toraji and abalone are completely, totally normal here. Normal here, but um, I would, I would say that abalone is um, more pan-Asian. Yeah, and more expensive too. All right. Yeah. More Is that where you want to start with abalone, or do you want to do? No, some... let's start with corn. Okay. <laughs> let's... Yeah, let's start with corn. All right. How do the... Koreans eat corn? How do Koreans eat corn? Well, there are several ways of eating corn here. Um, when you walk down the streets in, here in Korea during corn season, you will find like you know just street vendors selling steamed corn, steamed corn, still in their husks or just the husks removed and mm-hmm. in just like plastic bags, and they're still steaming hot. Um, the thing about Korean corn is that they're not the, the the typical sweet corn variety that you find in America where you're from. Mm. Um, they're the they're the waxy corn variety. You know, waxy. we talked about potatoes a few mm. weeks ago, and we talked about waxy potatoes. How they behave when they're boiled or steamed. Right. Um, in Korea, the, 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 the predominant variety of corn you can find here is the waxy variety, which is, which is um, made up of 100% amylopectin, which is the stuff that gives glutinous rice that mm. sticky quality, right? So the corn here is less sweet, significantly less sweet when cooked. And um, they're, they're much more firm because they have uh, very little moisture content. Mm. In fact, to, for corn to be considered waxy corn, the moisture content has to be less than 16%, mm. right? Which, uh, which is good because um, it, it makes the, the corn last longer. It doesn't spoil as easily because yeah. of the low moisture content. It's definitely more firm. Um, on the flip side, less and they're really fluffy, chewy right? as well. Yeah, they're less flowy. Uh, what did I just say? <laughs> less fluffy. I don't know. Less flowy. I said less flowy. Less fluffy. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't really describe the sweet corn variety as fluffy either. They're kind of like juicy. Okay. You you t- you take a bite into it. You know, corn the cob. I I love that stuff. That's the stuff of summers in America too. My dad was obsessive in summers, mm-hmm. of course, especially in New England where yeah. I'm from. Uh, very well known for the roadside corn stands, mm-hmm. you know, literally corn and a couple of seasonal fruits, but mainly corn. Right. And dad would have us pull over and pick up a gigantic bag of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Cheap. 
Relatively, I would imagine. yeah, a little more expensive. You know, the U.S. is the largest producer of corn in the entire world. Right. I didn't know uh, that. The states of Iowa, central Illinois, uh, those are the c- corn growers in America. 13% of the entire yield is exported. Yeah. And uh, America produces 12 billion bushels of corn annually. And one bushel is what? Uh, eight gallons equals yeah. like four liters, four kilos. You know, kilos. I don't know those technical measures. Well, anyways. But, uh, it's not entirely positive, <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to say. There's a great documentary out there I called know, I've King seen it. Corn. I've seen it. King Corn. Uh-huh. Um, and so, in some ways, the U.S. doesn't know what to do with all this subsidized mm-hmm. corn, right? 95% of the corn farms in America are family-owned, just yeah. FYI. Yeah. Okay. That's, really? that's huge. As the, the, the largest corn producer in the entire world. Uh-huh. Yeah. And okay. for 95% to be completely, like, family-owned. Well, anyways, all that aside, we're talking about... Um, corn on the cob. Corn on the cob. And Which the dad flavors. would boil, yep. put a ton of butter and salt on, mm-hmm. and just uh, sit and go through, like, three of those things. Yeah. Oh, mm. uh, they're just so easy to eat. Mm. Just throw them in the barbecue. Um, you can grill them, too, yeah. Grill them, right? A little bit of butter on top. Um, you know, kind of like Mexican-style corn as well. Mm-hmm. Lime. Um, what else? Like a little bit of like spicy pepper. Ooh, I never did the lime Just thing. Really See, good. Yeah, I was never in. I don't like things stuck in my teeth. Mm-hmm. And when you eat corn on the cob, you <laughs> well, it's just, inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah, you gotta floss afterwards for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So corn on the cob with a ton of sugar and yeah. butter is so is juicy. A thing. American sweet corn versus the waxy, chewy, uh, kind of more firm textured Korean waxy corn. Um, Very different, but I I love both because Mm. they're just completely different. And how do Koreans eat them? Corn has traditionally been a staple crop in the Kangwondo region. And uh, the people there, they make noodles from corn. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, You've tried oksusu guksu. Haven't you? You you may I have tried have, it without realizing without that. Yeah. Um, they're always on the menu, the shiksa menu, the the meal portion of the menu when you mm. go to the Chinese style lamb skewer really? uh, barbecue joints. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they're served. They come in this like super spicy broth. I love that stuff. Really. Um, Koreans throw the the kernels of corn into rice when they cook. Um, you know, Koreans Would love to eat like multi grain corn hmm? noodles. Sometimes? No, 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 that's, com- that's wheat flour. Okay. Yeah. Um, Koreans make dok rice cake with corn, and corn has become their everyday. Everywhere these days, um, you've seen corn on pizzas, for example. You know they're made with like probably like canned corn because those are the American variety, the, the yeah. sweet yellow that, that's corn. That's an Asian thing, exactly. And then recently, there is this bakery um, that sells a very specific type of baked goods, which is um, a, a bread filled with a custardy corn cream center. Oh wow! And people just literally line up to get this stuff. One of the big fast food chains mm-hmm. on their breakfast sandwich in the morning yeah. now has like a custardy. Corn yeah, sauce. Yeah, corn is big here. Yeah. yeah. And what else? Corn salad. I love corn salad. Um, I suppose, yeah. When it gets down to... that, That's when it gets easier to eat, like in niblet form, you know? Yeah, I, you know, just something like sour element in there, a little bit of vinegar, um, apple cider vinegar. I, I chop in some uh, red bell peppers mm. in there, onions. It's fresh. And quite often, I don't know if it's at hue places or what, usually oh, if you get in steam, you get this sort of corn alfredo type deal almost yeah. at so yeah. it's like the korean cream corn so yeah. basically um it, the corn is mixed with uh, mayonnaise and a shredded mozzarella cheese really? and uh, it's it's it comes bubbling on top of a uh, those yeah. like platters Mm-mm. and sizzling away and those are so addictive 
it's kind of like um I don't know it's it's almost like junk food to me right because it it can't be good for you it's like corn and mayonnaise and shredded and mozzarella cheese. and that's it yeah. and this isn't like you know gourmet mozzarella cheese we're talking about well, because corn cheap pers- stuff, but it's so addictive. It's hot. I mean, they make corn syrup out mm-hmm. of corn for a reason because corn has a lot of natural sugar. Yeah. Right. So it's not necessarily like um, if you eat a ton of corn, you may feel good because you're eating vegetables, but actually you're taking in a fair amount of complex carbohydrate there. You right? are, and corn is used in like the, in industrial fields as well. They, they're made processed into adhesives. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you know, and cornstarch, of course, is added to added to foods as a thickening agent, mm. right? Um, fruit syrups, for example. Sure. Um, yeah. No, I, I mean, this Chinese is part of the food. reason U.S. produces so much corn mm-hmm. because you can spin it into so many uh, other industries and so right. on. Right. So, anyways, corn comes into season between late June and August. Uh, they're harvested ideally thirty days after the flowers bloom because that's when it gets starts to take on that really nice um, chewy mm. texture uh, from the amylopectin. And uh, when you select corn, they're everywhere. I, I noticed them in marketplaces, these supermarkets, um, piled high. Select corn um, that's covered, that's surrounded by a green husk. Okay. Yeah, a greenish husk. And then avoid purchasing corn. When, when you look at the kernels, they shouldn't be translucent. Because once they start turning translucent, it means they've already started to dry out, mm. which is not good. Because this variety of waxy corn, um, they're already quite firm anyway. So you got to really be careful when you cook them not to dry them out completely because it'll just be unpleasant, right? But the, they're you want sold the kernels husk on. to be moist. Yeah. So it's hard to see the 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 kernels, right? Well, you can like peel you it can back, peel it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit, All right? right. Um, what else? So the kernels. There are three varieties of uh, corn here in Korea: the waxy variety, the light yellow, the white, and the slightly black, right? And uh, when you pick the white corn, for example, the kernels kind of like should be almost like creamy, milky white. Okay, so, that's fair enough. Yeah. And when Koreans, you said they steam the cob, mm-hmm. right? Do they season it at all? Um, you know what? Um, I noticed that some mothers do, they, when they, they actually boil it in water and they throw in sugar in there to add kind of like a sweetness ah. to the to the kernels. You can do that. But there's no kind of yangnyom, anything? No, like, no, no. This is just like steamed corn. Plain old steamed yeah, corn. Yeah, Koreans just eat it as is, as a snack. Um, I find it's like so filling yeah. that it's a meal on its own. It tends to be a portable food. It, like yeah. People bring it along for, sure. for camping or hiking, right? Right. But yeah. again, always carry floss with you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And your dental floss. Mm-hmm. Koreans are very uh, meticulous about their teeth anyway, exactly. even at the office. Uh-huh. Let's move on to food number two. Sure. Toraji. Toraji. You love this. I love it. You've you mentioned knew that, this. Right? Yeah. Before. What Absolutely. do you like about Toraji? Which is, by the way, the roots of a bell flower, or they're often called balloon flower as well. You know, I'd love to see what the top of Toraji look like. I don't know what a bell flower looks like in my head, um, but I do know what Toraji look like. Can in we the, have somebody yeah. like that? Yeah. I, I suspect my PD is pulling yes, up a, a photo sure. now. So, anyways, Toraji is native to East Asia, China, Korea, Japan, and the Russian Far East. And uh, Koreans consume the roots of this uh, bell flower plant, and uh, the Korean name is Toraji. And uh, in its like you know raw form. Uh, they they oh, kind of resemble this flower. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're purple. Look at them. It's really pretty. I think pretty. I've seen those just wild. Yeah, you may have yeah. probably. Very beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's sort of a uh, five pointed purple mm-hmm. flower with a white ring in the middle. It's it's um, that's right. I'd, I'd I'd almost put it on a 
a decorative, you know, as a hotel or as a as a seal of a company. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. It's very pretty. Uh-huh. And the roots, when they're not cooked, when they're in, their, in the entire form, um, they, they resemble ginseng, actually. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Yeah. A little, I don't know, thinner or more flexible. Yeah, thinner, exactly. Um, more pliant, I guess. Um, and then Koreans consume them raw. Uh, when you consume Toraji raw, they take on this, uh, they have this kind of like a crunchy texture almost. Have you tried the raw form as well of Toraji? You know, I have. At yet. restaurants? Uh, I usually, uh, I was taught to briefly blanch my mm-hmm. Toraji. And then to chuck it in maybe a sauté pan and yeah, season and a it up. Pan. I, you, know. you season it with uh, soup soy sauce, a little bit of garlic, green onions, um, and then some sesame oil or perilla seed oil, whichever you mm. have available at home. And uh, it makes for a really good, great side dish. And uh, this is a common side, common ingredient in pibimbap as well. In your bowl of pibimbap, mm. um, you have the rice component, and then it comes with a bunch of vegetables, like namul Koreans call it, like wild mountain. Um, vegetables. Mm-hmm. We talked about this, right? This is one of the vegetables that yeah. you stir in when you mix it all up. Exactly. It's one of the vegetable components in a bowl of bibimbap and it's a common side dish as well. So um, often they're cooked, like they're usually sautéed, but then they're, they're also eaten raw as well, kind of like crunchy. They're, they're slightly bitter um, and a, almost as a sweet aftertaste as well. So bitter and sweet at the same time. That's how really good toraji should taste. And then they're tossed in a kind of like a spicy vinaigrette made with gochujang, Vinegared kuchujang? As the panchan yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was feeling real crazy, could I put those out on a table with um, samjang and just people drag those through the samjang as a as a, an anju? I haven't seen that. No? But I don't see why not because Koreans consume it raw. You can cut it up into little pieces and then if you really wanted to, if you really like toraji, you can dip it into like some sort of dipping sauce. Yeah. You it would occur to me, you know, put them next to the cucumbers right. and the carrots and all that. Just mm-hmm. a little something else to drag through samjang, which is yeah, wonderful. Could. I guess that's a Western take. Um, you know, like a platter of like, <laughs> you know, crudités. Crudités. Yeah. Every vegetable you can think of. <laughs> right. So how else is uh, toraji consumed? Toraji is a very versatile root vegetable. It's uh, made into a syrup. You know, when, when somebody says cheng, we talked about omija cheng and meshil cheng. Mm. Remember? Cheng means syrup. Okay. Right? So, toraji cheng literally means toraji syrup. It's made by boiling the peeled, soaked, washed, and kind of like ground up toraji and sugar together. Um, and it's kept like that for a few weeks to months. And then sometimes they're often paired with uh, pear as well. So, pear and toraji syrup. It's that supposed to be, actually. it's supposed to be a super effective cure for coughs and, you know, um, colds. Is this one of those time. deals where you boil it, you chuck the pears in, you chuck the sugar in, and you, it's almost like kimchi, you let it sit. Yeah, you let and, it sit. Yeah. Yeah. And it just works by itself to, right. to, to denature itself. Mm-hmm. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, it is. Um, what else? Toraji pop. You can cook it with, with rice as well. Koreans like to throw anything in rice when they steam the rice. Um, peel it, slice it, soak it, and wash the toraji, and then like, you know, throw it into your pot of rice. Toraji mm. muchim. Um, I mentioned this earlier. This is the raw version where it's tossed, it's sliced, julienned, and then tossed with a kind of like a sweet kuchujang based uh, dressing. That is using the already cooked toraji. No, this is the raw version. The raw, ah, so, yes, muchim. Okay. Muchim like means salad. salad. It's like seasoned, tossed with any sort of like a dressing, like soy sauce based or kuchujang based or tenjang based. Muchim mm. means it's been tossed. I got it. Right. And then finally, the toraji namul, the one you like so much that's been sautéed. 
in like a bunch of aromatics like garlic and green onions and then it's a seasoned with salt or soy, so, soup soy sauce. I like to sear a nice big piece of salmon uh-huh. and uh, season the salmon however you like mm-hmm. and then doraji next to it and that's like perfect or put it on the bed of okay, doraji. Again, yeah, that's like a completely western take on uh, doraji because <laughs> I mean, you know what? That's, it's great though. I like it. I like it that we're talking about the same exact ingredient which mm. we love so much yeah. and then I'm talking about the typical, you know, ways Koreans prepare this uh, yeah. vegetable and then you talk about something completely different like, you know, as like a root vegetable. It's like almost serving, um, you know, turnips a, a, or something or yeah, yeah. or carrots. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With a side of uh, fish. I want it's to internalize the, the Korean stuff, though, the muchims and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, nogaks are in season right now. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I just saw a recipe for nogak muchim. I love that stuff. It's got a really it interesting texture, doesn't it? Uh, it's sort of, uh, is it cucumbery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, but it's, it, it's not crunchy like a cucumber. Yeah. It's, it's an old cucumber. It's more like fruity. Uh, it's it's almost like it's it's kind of like a soft cucumber. Yeah, yeah. The texture is kind of like it's kind of slimy. Would it blend at all with toraji in one of these muchims? Uh perhaps it, we'll have two different textures going on yeah. in the same uh, you know salad. Uh-huh. So I don't see why not. All right. You know Fair when enough. it comes to when it comes to cooking, I don't. I'm not. I don't stick to a rule, basically. Whatever works for me works. And uh, sometimes I've created some really interesting dishes just by, you know, just improvising or working with what I have. For sure. Yeah, or just wanting to try something different. Scarcity is the mother of creativity. I totally agree. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So there, we've got uh, various ways of uh, dealing with uh, toraji. Yeah, it's pretty dura- versatile. Yeah, and the toraji chong, how do you use it? You can add it to foods, but usually it's uh, mixed with hot water to make a toraji cha. It's like a tea. Oh, that sounds it's really lovely. Nice. Yeah, because you said it, it heals your coughs. Yes. So it makes sense to make sort of a tea out mm-hmm. of it. And the toraji is also seeped in alcohol, so mm. to, to make toraji ju. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, there's and health benefits of all these things. Oh yeah, you know. toraji has always used um, traditionally in like traditional medicine as well. Um, in mm. China, uh, extracts and purified saponins from the roots of toraji uh, exhibits lots of uh, nutritional benefits and health benefits. They're antimicrobial, they're anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, anti-allergy. Uh, they improve uh, insulin resistance. They lower cholesterol. So Eat your toraji. <laughs> That's the Amen. final point on that. Right. We've got a little time left for abalone. Kind sure. What to me seems the most exotic ingredient because yeah. very seldom do I choose to afford abalone. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little pricey. Um, but you know what? Farmed abalone these days uh, are widely available at, at supermarkets and uh, their price is significantly, they're much cheaper than yeah. like, yeah. And these days it's really hard to find like, um, you know, wild abalone from mm. the oceans because they've been like so... They've been farmed, oh no, no, they've been fished to exhaustion, right? So abalone farming started in Japan and Korea in the 1960s and 70s. Now it's prevalent. Mm. Um, and those are the kinds that you will usually find at uh, supermarkets and a lot of times the fish markets as well. Certainly for the Westerner, abalone is a bit intimidating uh, in terms of its appearance and in terms of just what no, no, God's don't say name all do Westerners. Because, well, many Westerners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I spent four years in New Zealand growing up during my teens and then... Uh, oh, so they're into abalone down Oh, there. yeah. Okay. Uh, they call it pawa. In the, the Maori language, I see. and um, the abalone down there a little bit look a little bit different from the kind you find in Korea because they're they're black, 
the surface of the abalone is black. Mm. You slice it through. The inside is like all white, but um, it's a common, common uh, shellfish eaten down there. How they cook it is that they brush it with a little bit of butter and they barbecue it on the grill. That's and strict. it is amazing. Really? How long do they barbecue it for? Uh, not long. Really? Yeah, not long. You don't want to overcook these because it's, it's a short grill. Right, so they've just been cooked through, and then when you eat it, we eat raw abalone. They're almost like crunchy and kind of cartilagey. It, yeah, kind of cartilagey, crunchy in the sense of being cartilagey. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're kind of hard to chew. Yeah, but when they're nicely steamed or cooked, um, they take on a much softer texture as well. They're tender. True or false? This is my understanding of abalone. Mm-hmm. You either cook it. Not at all, or very little, like you just sketched, or you cook it for a crazy long time. Well, uh, crazy long time? I'm not sure. One uh, chef made abalone for a small group, Uh uh, and she had steamed the abalone for six hours. Oh, wow. And it was like... Yeah, it's buttery. It's buttery. Yeah. Exactly. All this what, this cartilage or whatever mm-hmm. we are describing had just dissolved into, and it cut through like a... Like Did a, she steam it in some kind of like alcohol? Like rice wine? Probably. Yeah. It was probably a mixture. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, they're commonly served in Japanese restaurants as well. Mm. Sushi restaurants as a sushi topping. Um, yeah, steamed abalone, grilled abalone. Koreans love to throw them into chuk. Abalone chuk, chuk. Just throw the raw abalone in there and the juke will cook it. So what happens is you get the abalone, you remove the, well, you remove the guts, but you can use the guts, right, in the, in the chuk. Yeah. So you cut off the, 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 the gut. It's kind of like greenish and blackish in color. It's not that attractive. You cut it off with it's scissors. It's sort of that middle bit of the yeah. abalone, right? And then around there, there's a little teeth that you have to remove as well. And then the abalone flesh, you cut it into like, you know, cubes. And then you throw that into a pot, sure. right? Sauteed in a little bit of like sesame oil. Oh, okay. Throw the rice in there. Saute it together. And then you add the water. It's like when you make chuk, it's one part rice to six parts water. So you add the water in there, and then you boil that until it become takes on that, that kind of like a you know a porridge texture. So that's almost like slow cooking. Let yeah, just Because yeah. on a micro scale, if right. you cook something for an hour and it's only like one yeah. fiftieth of mm-hmm. the size it originally was, that's the same effect as slow cooking it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, chuk you don't cook for hours and hours and hours because no. the the rice would reduce to nothing. Basically, it would disintegrate completely. But yeah, that's a form of slow cooking abalone, I guess, because like you just said. It's relative. Like if the, the abalone, piece of abalone is like that small, that's relative to, you know. Abalone hue is nice. We talked about yes. that. A bit crunchy. Uh, grilled abalone. Super duper slow cooked abalone for six hours. Abalone juke. Do you like going to fish markets here I in do. Korea? So the things. next time you go, um, seek out a, a shop that sells abalone. They usually do. They're in tanks and you, you pick like five or six. And then you ask, you take it to the restaurant, wherever. Um, they will guide you to the restaurant. Uh-huh. And then you ask the ladies to cook the abalone in butter, to grill it. Okay. Butter grilled abalone. And uh, they do that. They slice it. They put it right on the shell. Mm. That's how it's presented. And uh, those will taste as tender as the, the kind that that chef cooked for you really? all those years ago. All right. So either quickly flash cook your abalone in butter, yeah. not much time. Or slow cook it. I that's my assignment. Yeah, I always walk away with a to do on my list. Uh-huh. Yerka, I am going to go get some sauteed abalone. Thanks for the three ingredients and oh, thanks no for coming problem. in.